Welcome to the show. This is episode number 590. And this week we are looking once again at the smart home. And this time we're going to be learning about monitoring it from outside of our home with really affordable smart home surveillance. How affordable? Oh, you're going to find out and your mind will be blown. So stick around for that. Also, uh, Jeff, we've had some problems with editing 4K video footage. Oh, yeah. I know it's like the bane of all of our editing existence uh, because our computers just can't keep up with those massive files. Tonight, I'm going to show you how to turn it into editable camera shots. We're going to take one shot, turn it into three shots, and edit it down in real time on just my laptop. You don't want to miss out on that tutorial if you do any kind of video editing, even if you want to just use it for home. This is a great show coming up for you, so stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everybody. Nice to see you. Great to have you back again this week. Uh, first of all, just want to say thank you to everyone who has taken the opportunity to support us on Patreon. Yay. Really cool way to support Category 5 TV. Of course, this is free, family-friendly broadcasting that we broadcast from Canada to the entire world uh, every single week. New content every single week. And uh, you can support us for as little as $1 a month. And everyone who takes that on, I mean, $1 a month, right? Um, everyone who takes that on brings us just a little step closer uh, to being able to cover our bills every month without having to find other ways to do so. Right, I mean, that's that's the inevitable dream, right? Is to exactly. be able to broadcast every single week, have everything covered. Um, and all it takes is $1 a month. And you can check that out at Category 5, uh, pardon me, at patreon.com mm-hmm. slash Category 5. Really cool way to support us. And we're always looking for cool um, additional things that we can give you as a patron. And uh, one of those things is our vlog. And so that's uh, a lot of behind the scenes yeah. kind of content today there was a vlog. Uh, we received a big package in the mail, and uh, and there was an unboxing that happened uh, early, this, uh, I guess, yesterday morning mm-hmm. and went up later in the day. Um, so those kinds of things, you can only see those if you are a patron, and that's just an added bonus of, of your contribution. So thank you to everyone who's done that. Um, Neverwhere, the makers of CloudReady, um, posted on Twitter and tagged us and said, you ready for this? I am ready. Sasha. Yes. This is Cloud Ready speaking. Yeah. Sasha, want to be the unofficial Cloud Ready Home Edition spokeswoman? It includes some Cloud Ready stickers to replace that Windows 7 one. Yeah. Yes. So there's, I mean, what would we do for stickers? I know. First of all, we would make it official that we, that you, I guess. I would be. Why is it all you? I love Cloud Ready. I said some nice things about Cloud Ready. I love Cloud Ready. Do I, I get stickers? I super love Cloud. Well, yeah, I'll share. Can I if have I, some stickers? If I, I got if hey, I Cloud Ready. Spe- okay. I got sticker space. Hey, look at that Dell logo right there. We need to cover right. that with a Cloud Ready sticker. Category As- 5. Cloud ready. As like, <laughs> just confirmed unofficial spokesperson. Of- no, no, no. Oh my goodness. You're now oh. because you've confirmed it. You're right. now the official. Okay. Unofficial spokesperson. Okay. 
you may have a sticker. May I? You may. Wow. I Do you have actual buy, buying power now? I like, feel can like you I actually, have... Could I get a new laptop? No. Oh. But you can, for free, install <laughs> Cloud Ready on your laptop. Can I? Enjoy. Yes. Oh, thanks, buddy. And I can show you how. <laughs> <laughs> How's it been going, by the way, with Cloud Ready? Really? Cloud Ready, of course, we've shown it on the show here. It is a free uh, way that you can turn your laptop or desktop computer into a Chromebook or Chrome OS mm -hmm. system. So you've converted this, what was a Windows 7 machine, right. that we then converted into Ubuntu Mate, that you then converted into a Chromebook right. using Cloud Ready. How's it been doing? Love it. Like... I see you've got Discord up. I have Discord up. So, yeah, we had a little bit of a hurdle to jump to get Discord up, but it happened. It's up, and that was just, that was the final just piece of the pie. That I was just, the one the, thing that you were having issues with. and Right. I'm like, I love my laptop. I love Discord. Why can't you be friends? <laughs> <laughs> So how did that come about? You, you Oh. Like what did you have to go through to get Discord working? Cuz it was even, working originally. Yes, it was working and then all of a sudden it was bam, like a I cache think it was like issue an update. or something. Like oh, it maybe just, an update. Right? So I was borrowing yours for the show, your laptop for mm -hmm. the show so I could be on Discord, but I wasn't loving how that felt because this one is the one I love. Mm -hmm. Um so I was at my house on Sunday night, popped into Discord on my phone doing my homework on my laptop and Making really good homemade on your, on your cloud ready yes. Chromebook. Yes, we need to rename it now. It's no longer a laptop. It's a cloud ready Chromebook. Exactly. I feel like while she's relaying how wonderful this is, we should like zoom in so it's just Sasha, right? Because she is now the unofficial official spokesperson. Or official right. unofficial. Do, do we so, really need to make it official? Like, so, uh, like no, I'm not even allowed to be. No, in the you frame. you better be in the frame. We got it. We got to do this together. Okay. <laughs> So just trying I'm, to pump up the ego. All right. I, so I'm in, on Discord and I, don't, I, I am on my phone and I'm like, oh, I still don't have my laptop. Marshman. Yeah. Bill Marshall. It. Yeah. We know him. He was here he was in here. person. He drove eight hours with his wife to be here in Studio D he for a broadcast. He popped on in onto my laptop. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He onto your cloud-ready Chromebook. Cloud-ready Chromebook. He did That's that. cool. So he popped on in there and just uh, played around a little bit, talked to Garvey's what was in the chat room between the yeah. two of them. I don't know. I could not follow exactly what they did. Like, Bill was everywhere so it's in like, there. So it was like a scene from, like, Star Trek where the aliens are talking over Will Riker and it's just like... Yeah. And you know that they're operating. You don't really know what they're doing. No clue what But you're happened. just, you're awake. You're awake and you hear the noises and you know what, the something's happening. Right. So pretty much, I just watched. I was eating. <laughs> I made homemade mango sherbet. It was delicious. And I, I don't know how we got there, but we it. got there. Okay, so I'm just eating it, watching <laughs> it happen, and all of a sudden, bam, I have Discord. It works. Yes. How did Marshman get into your laptop in the first place? Because that's the security question that will come up. People will say... Oh, well, is CloudReady secure? Can people just remote in no. and get access to it? No, I had to install a thing. A thing. So okay. if you want to give remote access, this, this is the official, unofficial spokeswoman for CloudReady here. You install a thing. <laughs> That's right. Can you please expand on that? You install a thing, and that thing gives you a code, and you t tell them the code? Oh, are you oh, talking no. about TeamViewer? Yes. Oh, yes. Team oh, viewer. okay. Team viewer. All right. Okay. This, is, this is painful. <laughs> 
and then there's like a password situation. It's like it's like charades. Okay. It really is. A little I'm like, bit. I'm waiting for it to say like widget or bidet or something, like some random word. But I got it first guess, so I'm up two points. <laughs> okay. So then after, pretty much right straight after that, mm-hmm. he was in. Uh, it asks a few times throughout whether or not I want him to remain in the actual okay like just because it takes time and i guess it's secure that way Mm -hmm. so it would kick him off if i said no but i was happy to have him there Mm -hmm. and i think i don't know something about a flat flat pack is that is that a thing flat pack flat pack yeah app images and stuff and i think dropping okay that happened So, so just reinstalled discord yes in a different method right okay i have it Cool. Yes. So, needless to say, it's working. It's fast. It's doing everything that you need it to do. How's it been for like school and everything else? Perfect. Yeah. Everything about it is intuitive, easy to use. Um, I have tons of space in my like storage. Isn't space. that interesting? Yeah. Because a Chromebook, in and of itself, like if you went out and bought a Chromebook, essentially because it's meant to use the cloud, they have very little storage. Right internally right so because you've actually converted an old school laptop into a chromebook using cloud ready you've still got the hard drive that was originally windows 7 so it's however many hundreds of gigs versus maybe the eight gigs that you might have had in a chromebook or 16 gigs or something like that so you've got massive amounts of space for stuff right which you don't even really need it's just like overkill it's overkill Marshman says, and you see it there on your screen. Uh, oh, I guess we're not refreshing again here uh, on Discord on the uh, right-hand side of your screen. That's okay. We'll fix that during the break. Uh, Marshman does say in Discord, TeamViewer did not work, as a matter of fact. On Chrome OS, it only works um, out of the OS, not in. We had to install the remote desktop extension. That's interesting. Oh, okay. Remote desktop extension gave him access temporarily to be able to, uh, to help you. There we go. Here we are again, Marshman with the answers. That's right. <laughs> Always with the answers. Always with the answers. I feel like I'm amongst two geniuses at all <laughs> times. And and there you go. You're you're all set. So th- that's really really cool. Yeah. I love it. And now you get stickers. And now I get stickers. And apparently, <laughs> she's going to share those stickers. So please send three. That's right. We do have to take a really quick break so that I can fix that Discord. When we come back, we're actually going to be unboxing. Um, we're, well, we're really looking at how the ho- uh, smart home is evolving. And one of the things in smart home is that we want to be able to monitor if somebody has broken in or if someone's yes. stealing Amazon packages off of our front porch. Mm, yeah. And you know that there are smart home cameras that are available for hundreds of dollars, but we've found one that is available for just about 25 We're going to unbox that in just a couple of moments' time. Stick around. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. 
All right, we've been talking about the smart home, and cameras are something that um, are definitely uh, part of the smart home these days uh, as that smart home kind of evolves. But Wise has brought out two particular cameras that are just revolutionizing um, basically the smart home because they're so unbelievably cheap. First of all, I've got the Wise V2. This is the Wise Cam V2, and this one goes for $25. I'm going to open the box and get into there and uh, show you what, what that comes with and talk a little bit about it. Then we've got the pan as well. So this is an actual PTZ camera, so it pans, tilts, and zooms. And this one is only $38. So if you're looking at smart cameras for surveillance or anything else, uh, this is um, the, the most unbelievably economical solution. So let's get into the box and we'll take a look at what these come with. So we'll get into the V2 first, the WiseCam V2. Let's pop into the box. And when I think of the smart home and surveillance being tied together, I'm, I'm just blown away at how this can be done so incredibly cheap. There it is. So let's get in there. The camera is very, very small. What else is in the box? It almost looks like a little Bluetooth speaker. The size of it, anyway, yeah. is very, very small. Very small phone. What's in here? Okay, so we've got a USB uh, power adapter, cable. Oh, come on. There it is. Okay, so what do we have? This is how many amps? Oh, it's very, very little power. Uh, 1,000 milliamps. There we go. We've got a USB uh, micro. We've got some... Ma uh, magnetic plate that we can stick onto the wall if we want to be able to magnetically um, stick this up. But let's get in here. Um, you already know about all, all that. So this, again, is only $25. It's 1080p. Both cameras are 1080p. They both have two-way audio so that you can communicate with, uh, with somebody on the other side and hear what's going on. So we've got uh, power input there, and we've got a USB jack. And this pops open here. <gasps> it's cute. It's cool, eh? So the stand kind of holds it like that. Two-way audio. You mean you can have two microphones talking back and forth? Well, you can talk from your smart app. Oh, gotcha. So the Wise app. So it pivots. The one thing that I don't see here is I do not see quarter-inch capability. And there's nothing under the sticker here. I'm just scratching to see if I can feel a quarter inch screw hole and I do not. So unfortunately this is not something that you can mount on a tripod um, or like on a wall adapter such as something like this okay. uh, for surveillance. But it is something that you can put on uh, a surface mm -hmm. or as I mentioned it does come with this magnetic plate. So if you don't have uh, something steel that you can uh, mount it to. This double sided sticker We'll stick that to, say, a wall or whatever else. And then I guess this has got, yeah, that's got some nice strong magnetism So that it. just means it would stick on your fridge, too, if you needed it to. Oh, yeah, you could put right? this right on your the fridge and monitor, monitor late-night sna <laughs> snacking. <laughs> there you go. So that is all that's in the box there. And the only disappointment, if you will, I would say it would have been nice if they would have put a quarter-inch um, hole on that. And right. they, they've certainly got room for it. That would have been the one bonus so that it could have been put on a tripod or something along those lines. Now, in so, theory, though, could you not use the double stick tape? 
On a tri- what do you mean? No, like say you wanted to stick it to a wall or something. You could use the double stick tape for that, couldn't you? Well, you just use the magnet. Right, yeah. okay. Right? That's really strong. Stick normie. And then that way you can pull it off and you're not damaging the wall. It's, mm-hmm. You'll just have this circle on the wall. Um, it has infrared, so we've got night vision. It's got 1080p, and the infrared is about 30 feet view. Uh, and, of course, a 1080p camera, which we will be looking at um, on a future review. This is just an unboxing, just so that you can see what comes in the box. Uh, but that is uh, something that we're going to be looking at more closely. You'll notice on the bottom here a couple quick things. Uh, we've got a button here, which allows you to... Um, s- like this is like your setup button. And then we've got an SD card slot for micro SD cards, because you can record directly to your SD card so that not everything is going to the cloud. It's going to actually save to your SD. Okay, let's get into the pan. So the one thing about this is it's stationary, right? It's going to sit there, and where you point it is where it's going to be pointed, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. Now, Wise heard the call of the community and said, okay, we're going to bring out another camera. This is called the pan, the Wise Cam Pan. And let's pop into the box of this one as well. This one goes for $38 on Amazon.com. And uh, you can actually get both of these through our website, which is a way to support Category 5 TV. If you appreciate the reviews and the unboxings that we do, uh, please head on over to cat5.tv slash wise, and you'll be able to get them there. Uh, It's still through Amazon, but you're supporting us through the affiliate links. Uh, Okay, so this is a, a significantly larger unit. <laughs> okay. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Get out of the box. Get out of the box. Seriously, I'm going to have to destroy the box to get into it. That is a snug packaging, folks. Oh, my goodness. No wasted space there. I know. Oh, my. Ah, there we go. We got it. Okay. That this was enjoyable is... to watch. <laughs> was it? Oh, good. Holy cow. All right. There we go. This. Oh, all right. First of all, this is significantly larger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't realize it was as big as it is. Um, in the pictures, it looks like it's quite small. This is, you know, there's oh, right. the wise cam. Uh, what can I compare this to? I mean, you look at, um, you know, the power adapter, which is similar to what you'd have for your phone. And you can see the difference in, uh, in size. You've got your phone as well. You want to. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking form factor of a. Uh that's a Samsung uh, A8. Oh, yeah? Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you can so. see it, it's a big, boxy thing. Yeah. Um, again, this is only 38 bucks, and it's got pan, tilt, and zoom. So the camera will move up and down, which you can control from the app. And then on the base, it will rotate. And then the zoom, presumably, is going to be digital. It has a 1080p sensor, and this one does have quarter inch. So nice thing about this being PTZ, now I can, in fact, mount this. This is just a cheap little uh, surveillance uh, wall mount that I picked up. Uh, It's like $4 on Amazon. Big deal, right? Uh, So I can actually mount that quarter inch on the wall, and I don't have to invest in the overpriced proprietary, like designed for this particular camera uh, mounting unit, which is good for outdoors, but for indoors, I don't need the weatherproof housing and the problems that come with it with the, uh, the, the interference that it causes with the um, night vision, for example. Uh, you might read that uh, in some of the reviews. Um, but this too has 30, uh, 30 feet um, of night vision. 
two-way audio, 1080p, and there's not much to it. There's the power input on the bass. Uh, I like that it's on the bass because as the camera moves, the bass is going to remain stationary. See that? Right. Then we've got a USB jack, which we're going to look into what that can be used for. Again, on the bottom here, we've got a micro SD card reader, uh, writer, I should say, because that's where you're going to be able to store your uh, video. And we've got the uh, setup button as well. Something else here, which I'm not too sure, that must be the microphone uh, right there in the base. And just quickly, there's one other box here in the package. And I presume this is just the same sort of thing. Yeah, USB cable. And there's our USB brick. Tic Tacs. And that's it. As I was saying, what's neat about these is that they use cloud services, mm -hmm. but they do something very, very different. And I know that this is an unboxing. This is not a product review yet. We are going to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And of course, the links will be below as soon as that's available for you. But what it does is if there's motion detected, it's going to ping you in your app. It also has sound recognition, like intelligent sound recognition. Mm -hmm. So if the fire alarm in your house goes off, your app is actually going to tell you that the fire alarm is going oh. off because the audio in these are able to determine, oh, that's a fire alarm. Oh, that's a CO2 alarm. Mm. And it's oh. going to notify you of that fact that something's going on that you need to check out. So you bring up the app and you're able to watch the video, see what's going on. Now with the PTZ model, you're able to turn the camera, you're able to move it up and down, and you're able to zoom in and out. With this one, it's stationary video. Again, $25, $38. The price point is astonishing. So, sorry, right. so this one has Zoom? I thought it was just Pan. Well, it's PTZ. So we're going to review, oh, okay. we're going to hook it up, we're going to test it over the next week, and then we're going to come back on the show and do an actual product review. Mm -hmm. This, of course, is the first time we've been into the box, so we haven't fired them right. up and tried them yet. Um, but it does market itself as PTZ, which means Pan, Tilt, Zoom. Okay. Does it have Zoom? I don't know yet. Might be a digital it thing. may be digital. I yeah. don't see an optical zoom apparatus. It's just a very, very tiny retina on the on the camera. So I doubt it's optical. It's going to be digital, if anything. Okay. Um, but digital can be pretty good in this space sure. because we're talking about a 1080p um, video. Right. And you know, if you pull in a little bit on that, you, it's pretty good. Yeah, you're still going to get something. Your standard surveillance camera is significantly less than 1080p. So something like this with a 1080p sensor, the video right. quality is 1080p, you're getting HD video, it's better than your typical surveillance system. And so it, it connects through Wi-Fi, correct? It does, yeah. So could you have this connected through Wi-Fi, say, to like your Google Home or... Or something so that they do have Amazon Alexa support. Okay. Um, so if you have an an Alexa show for I, I'm I beg your pardon an Echo show and I apologize if I just set off your <laughs> your device I shouldn't have done that. Um, but uh, so mute your device because I sometimes mess up. Um, <laughs> if you have an Echo show or another device that has the screen, then you can actually say, "Let me see the backyard." And you'll oh. see the, the camera that's in the backyard that's identified as such. Oh. And in your app, you can, in fact, name each camera, yep. and you can have multiple cameras set up. So you could have five of these guys stationary placed around your office, right. and then you can have a couple of these where you need to be able to pan and tilt. Right. 
Right. And they're all available within so the same app. So you could use these for like a bunch of different things. Absolutely. Right? Like if you have young kids, say you have young kids and you mm-hmm. have like a pool in the backyard. Now it's fenced off and everything. Sure. You, but you want to make sure that you're notified at all if there's any action just in that back sure door. That just make sure everyone's to, safe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just mount one of those and it would just <laughs> ping you if... There if was, there's motion, yeah. right. if there's something going on, if there's someone stealing Amazon packages off your front porch, right? right. you know, these kinds of things, this or, could be the answer. Or somebody dropping Amazon packages off at your front porch, although I do get oh, a day when they're dropped I'm off. Like, but I'm waiting like, yeah, eagerly. Exactly. I'm like, I want another WiseCam. Has it arrived yet? Now, I do know that, like, I mean, you can see it right there on Discord that GWG has 10 of these. 10. Right. So he's, he's the price 10. point. So you think about that and you think that's absurd. Ten oh. of these wise cams. Think about the price point at $25, so $250. And this is not a sales pitch and this is not, I'm not selling anything tonight. Um, even though, you know, I'd encourage you to buy them through our links because it does support us. Yes. But to say that, think about like the, the next best option. Smart cameras for Nest, for example, Nest Cam. Right. 200 bucks even. Right. So, see, this you is can you can have ten multiple. ten of these for just a little bit more money. Well, this is speaking to me heavily because about two months ago, I bought a security system for our house mm-hmm. because in our cul-de-sac we've had an issue of weekly attempted break-ins oh. to the cars. Oh no! And a couple times they've gotten into my wife's vehicle, but our neighbor okay. went and bought a Nest when they were. Uh, it was a Black Friday sale, and he's yes. like, "Oh yeah, we picked up a Nest for two hundred bucks. Right. So I got two of them," and I'm like. I don't want to spend 200 bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. But I bought a camera. It's only four cameras, 1080p for 200 bucks with a hard right. drive that does upload to the cloud. And 200 I'm looking at this yeah. going, okay, so, oh. And you already spent that. I already spent oh, that. Oh, burn. Okay. Let me just put something out there. So the car break-in thing is a problem. Yeah. This is what's happening in the community right now. 25 bucks. Yep. Okay. It's powered by USB. Okay. What do we know about USB with our power adapter? Our that, charger. That it doesn't... Our, our little brick that, yeah. has, that charges our phone. Right. We can power devices Exactly. A little portable phone charger can power something like this for hours. Right. right. Hours. So plug this into your battery pack phone charger. And leave it in... Leave it in your car. Right. Put it on the dashboard. But is it meant for Canadian winters of minus billions degrees? Sure. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I... <laughs> Give it but, a try, man. It's right? twenty five bucks. Even, okay, so right, so say you say you have a cottage, right? Yeah. And and you don't want to leave like a whole security setup at your cottage all the time, but while <laughs> you're there, you want to make sure that everything is Well, you've got the SD card capability, right? so you don't need yep. a DVR. Right. If you have Wi Fi available, it's going to have the cloud option so that you can then bring it up in your app and be able to view what's going on. This right. is why I think like putting in the driveway in the car on the dash, looking at the window, put two of them, put one right. looking right. out each side. Ooh. And for fifty dollars you now have full car surveillance right. connected to your home Wi Fi. So from your bedroom, on your phone, you can see what's happening in your car. Cool. Somebody walks up to it. There's no more having to, oh, it's too blurry of an image from the front deck looking out at the car. This is sitting right on the dash in 1080p about this close to the thief. (laughs) Think about that for a second. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, hey, check them out. It's cat5.tv slash wise to uh, find out more information about them or to pick up 
um, some for yourself. Again, there's no DVR. There's no hub needed. You don't need any other peripherals. It's just it connects to your Wi-Fi. It's really easy to set up. You're going to use your phone or your tablet to be able to control them, and that's going to give you a really cool cloud-based um, home surveillance or business surveillance system. Love it. Also love, love how all these unboxings always end up products in my home. <laughs> you just want more this stickers. This show costs me so much money. Did GWG mention that you can get 10 of them for $250? I know, right? That's a steal. I also, yeah. <laughs> Definitely something we're, we're excited about, though, because what's happening is with the um, growth of the smart home kind of mentality, mm-hmm. we're seeing prices come way down. Oh, yeah. The Echo Dot 3 for 39 bucks Canadian. And that deal's still off. That's like $4 American, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you think about the price and how they're dropping, 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 and you can get a surveillance system like this that cheaply. PTZ for 38 bucks in 1080p with cloud connectivity? Ridiculous. That's nuts. Yeah. Like, unheard of. Mm-hmm. And they're changing, like companies like Wise are changing the entire industry for consumers because right. now it's accessible. Now it's something mm-hmm. that we can all get in on, on and have this type of protection for our home. Well, exactly. I love, love that. Absolutely love it. When we come back, we're going to be looking at how we can take 4K video footage and we're going to turn that into 720p. We're going to show you how to do some trickery to make it look like you've got multiple cameras during your edit process. Ooh. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. One of the issues that I've encountered, I know Jeff has encountered, maybe you've encountered, is as we upgrade our hardware for video production, mm-hmm. the quality gets better and better. So we're That's now a problem. It can be oh. when it comes to the editing floor. Okay. Because nowadays the cameras are all 4K. Yeah. So our camera here at our studio is 4K. When you shoot new every day, yeah, your 4K. camera is 4K. 4K 60, I think. Maybe it's 4K 30, but definitely, definitely a 4K it's source. It's more than the 720 I got at home. What have you found the experiences like when editing that video? <laughs> uh, very, very painful, mm-hmm. but I think that's because my computer's probably not up to snuff for it. Are any computers up to stuff for it? Unless <laughs> you've got like a rendering farm and right. the latest AI processors. But I find because it's such high quality video, it does take me a very long time when I'm trying to go from shot to shot. Okay. Yeah, when you're editing yes. in your editor. Yeah. can be brutal. Because my laptop can't handle it. Mm. Right. And yet somehow I use this laptop to produce new every day, every Is single week. Is that what week. you use? That's what I use. I had no clue. 
but it can't handle it. Let's look at the source video from, this is just from New Every Day, but it's to show you what kind of experience we have when working with 4K footage. So this is a clip from an upcoming episode of New Every Day. So when I push play, I pushed play, by the way, I pushed it, and I'm waiting. See, that's what happens when I'm at home yep. trying to edit. And you're waiting, okay, and Lawrence is there, and it is one frame a second. It looks like old school webcam. And it's, I have not paused it, notice, okay, it's brutal. And if you start editing and you've got clips galore, and that's really how it goes down, clips galore by the time yeah. I've done this thing, it could be brutal. And when you're working with 4K footage and it's mm. that stuttery, it can be really hard. So tonight what I'm going to show you is a couple of tricks of the trade for video production. And, and I'm using a program called CyberLink PowerDirector. I love it. It's a really good, um, happy medium between really, really cheap software yep. and really, really good quality software. So it's not up there with the most amazing professional video effects processors, but it's really, really good. It's better than any of the free stuff that I've ever found. And it's very, very cheap. You can pick up this software through our link at cat5.tv slash pd for power director um, but i want you to know right off the bat that everything that we're going to teach you tonight can transcend the software okay so even though the interfaces may be a little bit different the entire mentality and the processes that we're learning tonight can you can do this on free software you can do this on the best software but the idea behind it is the, the principles, the concepts. Yeah. So what I, want, what I know about 4K footage is it's a huge canvas to work with. <laughs> so we can zoom in on that canvas as long as we don't mind downscaling the video. So when I say right. that, I think about New Every Day broadcasts at 720p. So imagine I have 4K a 4K canvas. I can now zoom in on that, and it's still perfect lossless quality because it's 4k i'm only using 720p right so rather than taking that 4k footage and scaling it down i'm instead taking that 4k footage and zooming in on it okay. to the same dimension so that gives me a whole new way of working with my 4k footage because now what is one camera sitting on a stationary tripod with two people sitting in front of it becomes three cameras right so in our case, if we were shooting right now and we wanted to do this, mm -hmm. we could have you as one camera, but it's only one but, physical camera, right. me as one camera, Jeff as another camera, and then a wide shot as a fourth camera. But as, uh, from a live feed of the show, that's what we do. We do that here. So when we zoom in, mm -hmm. something like that, that's exactly what we're doing in real time. But not everyone has that kind of technology. Right, that's exactly. thousands of dollars to have that. But that gives you an example of what you're talking about when it comes to what you're going to show us. It gives sort you a of. bit of an idea. Okay. This is a 4K canvas that we can mm -hmm. then zoom in on, and we have a lossless um, right. close-up of okay. that video. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually create files that our editor and our computer can handle, so not 4K, okay. from our 4K source, and then we're going to be able to transition between them. So keep in mind, of course, at 4K, I can't even play this video, let alone edit it. It's really, really choppy. Remember, this is like 30p or maybe 60p. I think it's 30 because it is 4K footage. But what I can do, so in CyberLink PowerDirector, again, these tools are going to be different in your editor, but if you want to follow along in PowerDirector, this is great. I've clicked on the 
the track of the video and then tools and power tools and then crop and zoom and then I can click on crop and zoom the button there. Now, because Lawrence is standing up, the first thing that I want to do is I want to skim along in the video to a spot where both of the guys are sitting down. I'm going to create a new keyframe, and then I'm going to put my wide shot on that frame exactly where I want it to be. So then see the preview over the right-hand side? Okay. That's perfect. So now I'm going to go back to the first frame, uh, first keyframe, and I'm going to duplicate the next keyframe. Then I'm going to go uh, to the next keyframe and then to the next keyframe, which now takes me to the last keyframe. And I'm again going to duplicate the previous keyframe using this button here. So now all three keyframes have exactly the same zoom. See that? Yep. So if I scroll anywhere in this timeline, that zoom is going to have a nice frame and it's going to be a really, really nice wide shot of those guys. Okay. I like to take it one step further. And I like to take this middle one, don't touch the other two, make sure that they are exactly the same because if you do any edit points, you need them to be able to be seamless so it doesn't right. jerk in all of a sudden on the right. camera. Right. But I like okay. to have a bit of motion on my camera. Mm -hmm. I like to make it look like there's a camera operator even though we know that it's just a stationary tripod. So now let's take this middle keyframe and I'm going to zoom in, just punch in just a little wee bit and then I'm going to move the center of the frame and put it right there. So now... As, as this plays, it's actually going to zoom in a little bit toward the middle, and then it's going to zoom out again to the same, because these keyframes, the first one and the last one match each other, so they're seamless. But you'll notice if I start the video here, and it's very, very choppy right now because I'm in 4K mode. So starting there, now watch that frame. If I skip over to here, it's in a lot tighter. See that? Right. right okay. So you get this really nice kind of, it's like the camera is just kind of softly moving in and softly moving out. And you just get that little bit of motion that just makes it look like there's somebody operating that camera. Right, so what's the time frame on this? Like, are we talking that's like a, a three second or? No, just for the sake of this demonstration, I'm using a two minute clip thereabouts. Oh, so you're going from the beginning to, so you can determine the clip length. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry, well, I missed that part. You want to do it for the entire clip. Now, when I do the actual show, I've got like a four-hour video because you guys clip a lot, right? We do talk uh, You lot. record a lot. So, um, so what I do in that... So now I'm just going to hit OK because I'm happy with this. So in that case, let's say this was a four-hour video. I would just choose a five-minute point now that I've done that crop and zoom, and then I would hit the cut button to, uh, to trim that. So now I've got one video here and one video here that will seamlessly connect together because remember the first and last keyframe are identical. Right. So it's going to zoom in here about midpoint and then zoom back out to here and then zoom back in again, right? Okay. So now I've got this nice framing for the wide shot. So remember, we're creating three shots from this one shot. I've got my wide shot as my starting point. So this is both guys together on the set. Then... Uh, I need to render this. So I need to go produce. So this is where I'm going to output it to a file format that my computer is capable of working with. And this is going to be the, file, uh, the final size, but not, the not necessarily the same compression or quality, um, of my final production. So because I know I'm going to be producing a show in 720p, I can go down to 720p, and then the produced qual quality is going to be exactly that. Right, exactly. I couldn't go down to 360p and then scale it up to 720p. It, yeah, would, look it would look horrible. So 
First of all, I'm going to stick with M2TS because I find that M2TS file format is very, very fast decoding. That's important too because sometimes off of the camera they're compressed files because 4K is a huge frame. So the camera compresses them into a smaller file so that they'll fit on your SD card and you can record more than five minutes worth on a 128 gig card. So because it's super compressed, it means it needs to decompress on your CPU while you're editing it if you're using that right. master file. Yeah. So by creating a file that's M2TS, it's no longer as compressed. Okay. It's still a pretty small file, but it's going to take up a lot of space. These are the masters. They're going to be pretty large. Yeah. But because they're 720p, not 4K, they're going to be a lot smaller. But the rendering time, the, the, the speed is going to be a lot better when working with it. Now, I don't want to work with interlace. This is defaulting to 60i. I'm going to change it to, uh, this is going to be 720p. You can do 1080p or whatever you want to work with. But I'm going to go 1280 by 720p. And then I just browse to where I want to save that file. I'm going to just slap that on my desktop, and I call it wide. I like to just name my shots what they're going to be. So this is my wide shot, and I hit save. I like to turn on enable preview uh, during production so that I can see what's going on, and then hit start. And you see this is going to take a while to render. This is moving at a slow pace, but it's scaling it down to 720p uh, at 60 frames per second. It's going to take about an hour to render just that two-minute clip. So it's a lot of time to get it down there. So mm -hmm. give yourself a lot of time. Right. But once you have those rendered down 720p masters, it can be the four-hour thing. And right. then you've got files that you can work with. So I do the entire thing, all shots. And then I've got 720p masters to work with, so I never actually have to touch the 4K after that. So I've already rendered these. I'm just going to cancel this so that I just wanted to show you the process. Now I want to create the next one. This is going to be my stage right shot. So this is going to be uh, their right, your left. So now that I've created the wide shot, and we'll presumably say that it rendered out, I'm going to then highlight this again and go tools, power tools, and crop zoom because it's already active. And now I'm going to change this so that this is a close-up of James on stage right. So wait for it. There we go. Okay, so again, I start with my middle frame. That's always my starting point. Never start with your first or last frame because those have to match and because Lawrence is standing, I don't know what their final position is going to be during the edit. So here, I want this to be a close-up shot of James. That's on stage right. So I'm going to bring it in there and I want this to be the widest that James will have at any given time. Okay? Understand, this needs to be the widest shot that he will have, and Lawrence is completely cut out of the shot. Now I'm going to go back to my first keyframe and duplicate the next one, which is the middle one that I just created. And now you can see that it's a nice close-up of James. See the preview there? Right. Now I'm going to go to the last keyframe, and then I'm going to duplicate the previous one. Don't worry about the fact that they're not standing where you want them. Now go back to the middle keyframe, now that every single keyframe is identical. And now I want to create, in the middle keyframe, any guesses? The close-up of James. Right. This is as close as I ever want it to be to him. So now I've got that nice panning kind of motion. So here it's a nice kind of wider shot, and it slowly zooms in on his face until finally the closest it gets, see the preview in the top right here? Right. It's really, really nice and tight into his shot. But then it zooms back out as they're having this discussion, and then finally, once it gets out to the final keyframe, it's back at that nice wide shot where you see some of the background, you see some of his shirt, and, and so on. But that middle frame 
is going to be the closest that it ever gets. Now hit OK. Now I've got my close-up of James ready to render. Wait for it. Remember, I'm still in 4K. There we go. It's ready to go. So now this is the file that now I want to produce this file in 720p. Notice the resolution is terrible there, but as soon as I start rendering it, because it's going to be rendered at the proper resolution, so let's call this uh, stage right, or you can call it James if you want, or whatever. I'm going to enable preview resolution. Watch what happens when I hit start. The quality is going to change because it's going to be the actual render, render resolution. Notice I didn't have to change it to 60p, 720 uh, because it's already set. Well, that is. See fun. how beautiful that looks. So that's the final kind of close up on James. Okay. So now, okay, I've already rendered that, and so I'm going to skip ahead, and we're going to pretend now we already know the process, so we know how to do that with Lawrence as well. Right. Uh, we can do exactly the same thing. You just want to start with that middle keyframe, and it, and it's pretty easy now because I've already got that middle keyframe for. Um, like already set up. So let's look at that uh, third camera here. So I'm going to jump to my middle keyframe and I'm going to duplicate my next keyframe because I want it to be the wide shot yep. and drag it over to Lawrence. Now notice what's going to happen here. If I forget to do anything else, it's going to actually pan over. There's going to be some motion and it's going to pan over to include James in the shot. Right. Right. So I actually have to now go to the next keyframe, duplicate the, the previous one, go to the first keyframe, duplicate the next one. Now all of them are on Lawrence, okay? Highlight the middle keyframe, get that close-up of Lawrence. Stage left. There you go. I can pull in pretty tight because this is 720p on a 4K canvas. Right. So there I've got, there's Lawrence, done. Boom. We've got a 720p shot of Lawrence, nice and tight. So we've created three shots. We've got wide. We've got stage right, which is James, and we've mm -hmm. got stage left, which is Lawrence. So now that we've got those files, we'll pretend that, because I did this before the show just to prepare because I knew it would take an hour per shot um, to render. Uh, I'm going to close out of that, and let's start with a new file, new project. I'm going to open media files, jump to where I saved those two, which is on my desktop, in a folder called 590, samples ready, and I've got wide, stage right, stage left. Let's highlight all those and import them into my timeline. I like to save at this point because PowerDirector creates um, swap files, which is kind of nice because it will speed up the editing process even further. So I call this uh, 590 test, whatever. Okay, highlight stage right because it's going to be the first file in your editor. This is where things get exciting, Jeff. I've highlighted stage right, okay. and, now, and you'll understand that in a second. I'm going to hit plugins and then multicam designer. Now it puts stage right on the left, which is actually James' position on camera. Right. Now I'm going to click this plus button over here on two, and I'm going to go import from media room stage left, which is Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Okay. Neat. Now three, add that, import from media room wide. Okay. Remember, I'm using CyberLink PowerDirector. You can use any software, but I want to show you this. It's great software, cat5.tv slash pd. It's really, really cheap, really affordable. It only runs on Windows. That's the one caveat, but it works great, and it has all these features. And some people have said, well, as a Linux user, why are you using Windows editing software? And maybe just showing you will answer that question for you. 
So I start by, oh, like, let's click on that shot, the wide shot. Okay. Let's go to where our actual episode starts. So let's get in here. Okay, let's pretend that this is where it starts. I'm going to press record, and now on my keyboard, I have the one, two, and three. And presumably, you could have four as well. I'm just going to push one on my keyboard. Ready for it? Yep. One, two, three. I'm pushing those keys on my keyboard, and I'm swapping between the three camera shots in real time as if I was an actual camera operator sitting there in, in studio holding the camera, punching in and out. Mic now, drop. I'm boom, boom. <laughs> Lawrence is talking, so I'm nicely zoomed in on Lawrence. And zoom wide shot. I don't know what happened to one. I think I pressed a button or something, but... You get the idea. So I'm going to pause that. Oh, I think I, I only had a half of a file there. Oh, <laughs> no, no worries. That's right, because you clipped it. Yeah. So, okay. So now that I've got that, so I've pressed record. Now I've hit stop. I'm finished. This is not an actual edit. This is just my multicam designer. So now when I hit OK, it's actually going to create those edit points in my editor. No. So now when I push play in my editor... I'm already done. So I'm going to skim over here. Watch this. Oh, come on. See that? It's real time. It's fast. It's ready to go. And it only took us three hours to render that file. I mean, it's going to take you some time to create those master files. Right. But I do it overnight. This is why. Now you understand why I say, you've got to have the show to me, like, seven days in advance. Seven days in advance. Yeah. Because if you give me four hours worth of video, it takes... 12 hours, 15 hours yeah. to render. Right. So now that For I've shot. done that, yeah, yeah. So now that I've done that, I can produce my video. And let's just pretend that that's my glorious editing job. Right. <laughs> it's ready. And you notice it automatically added audio from one of the tracks. Make sure all of your tracks have audio or you can select that. Now, this is where I choose MP4 custom and I have what I call low cost 720p is my my um, preset that I created uh, because what I've done is I, I changed the average bit rate to 10,000 kilobits per second which just cost me less money um, to, to distribute. Uh, so then I create that file and I call this my final and I hit start. And that will actually now render. So again, you're going to see this in full quality now. Look at how beautiful that looks. And look at how fast it renders now that it's 720p sources. And look at that close up. Wow. It's as if I have three cameras sitting in front of those guys, yet I only have one camera sitting in front of them on a tripod. How beautiful is okay, that? You know I'm going to take that the new everyday camera and start recording random stuff just to play with this. Absolutely. Give this a go. Try this at home. Let us know if this has helped you with your editing process. Maybe this has revolutionized your editing process and certainly with a 1080p or me. higher camera. Absolutely. You can do this with a 1080p camera as well. Get it down to 720 or 480p in order to get your close-ups uh, but you're going to have a little more lossiness to it. With a 4K camera it's virtually indistinguishable it just looks like you've got multiple cameras uh, why did we not Amazing. do this back in november because i, I produced <laughs> a three and a half minute 4k christmas video for okay. the church mm -hmm. and it was now you know jeff i told you there were secrets long, three days to work <laughs> on it i told you there were secrets to it now you know my friend you can thank me next week <laughs> i'm thanking you now all right all right
Uh, okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we're going to jump right over to the newsroom. I know I've been a little long-winded tonight, but I think that uh, I think it's all good. I think uh, we've learned a lot, and it's a, a yeah. lot of fun. A lot of fun. So let's head on over there. Sasha. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Apple has been ordered to remove some iPhone models from its stores in Germany over a patent dispute with chip giant Qualcomm. Windows 10 Home Edition will finally let you turn off automatic updates. AI could reduce the tech in your smartphone. And a hidden world in the NES Legend of Zelda was just uncovered 30 years later. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yeah, man. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Apple has been ordered to remove some iPhone models from its stores in Germany over a patent dispute with chip giant Qualcomm. A court ruling in Munich on December 20th found Apple had infringed patents on power-saving technology. On Thursday, Qualcomm paid a $1.3 billion bond or Euro. billion euro bond, allowing the ban on iPhone 7 and 8 models to go ahead. The bond will fund damages awarded to Apple if the iPhone maker wins an appeal against the injunction. The German case is Qualcomm's third attempt at blocking the sale of iPhones. The California-based chip maker has made patent infringement claims against Apple in the U.S. and China already. The court ruling in Munich included the sale of iPhones by third-party sellers such as mobile phone operator shops and other retailers, as well as those sold in Apple's 15 branded outlets. However, Apple and some observers believe third-party sellers will be able to continue selling the iPhone models in question. The iPhone XS, iPhone XS Max, and iPhone XR models will still be available at Apple stores and from other retailers. When the initial judgment was announced in December, Apple said that it would appeal the decision. An Apple spokesman at the time said, Qualcomm's campaign is a desperate attempt to distract from the real issues between our companies. Companies. Qualcomm insists on charging exorbitant fees based on the work they they didn't do and they're being investigated by governments all around the world for their behavior. Under German law, judgments become enforceable once the winner of the patent dispute posts bonds covering potential damages incurred by the losing party in case the judgment is overturned or amended on appeal. In early December, Qualcomm won an injunction against Apple that also banned the sale of some iPhone models in China, ranging from the iPhone 6S to the iPhone X. That ban was the result of a different dispute concerning software patents. However, Apple said all its iPhone models remained on sale in China following a software update from Apple and, a pe and pending further legal ruling there. Well, isn't that convenient? You can just push out an update. Yeah, bam. 
Don't know what you're talking about, Qualcomm. <laughs> we're fine. We're doesn't, fine here. Doesn't have what you said it had. <laughs> so, what I just can't get is, like, I, I know people who work for Apple, mm-hmm. and a lot of their stuff is internally designed, built, like, you know, a, a friend I know, like... Well, His entire but team. chips and technology yeah. can be from blueprints mm-hmm. and from reverse Fair engineering. Enough. I guess. I don't know. I just... And in this case, it's like bad blood between two companies well, who have worked together. Exactly. Right. right. And, and that's the thing with this one. I'm thinking they did have a relationship at one point. It's fallen apart. And now they're just, you know, they're nitpicky with each other. But the question becomes, at what point does the line between the coordinated efforts separate between, well, that I said that, and therefore it's my idea, therefore you have to pay me. Like, I don't want to deal with patent infringement stuff. or yeah. any, Like, no thank you. Way too technical. Right. Uh, it feels absolutely. like it's one of those things that will flip-flop. Like, you'll, you'll win, and then you'll lose on appeal, and then you'll appeal that appeal, and win again. Like, it just feels like it's that sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. Germany? Is it just, was it a... Specifically, I think, because of the bond practice in is, Germany. Is that why? The okay. ability for a company to be able to pay to have them stop selling iPhones, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But you think with... All the guys, like, is Germany a massive company for iPhone sales? Uh, like, uh, oh, yeah, massive market. Absolutely. Because, yeah. like, I would think, oh, you know, and file the challenge in Canada. No, but, no. Well, because Germany, you think about Germany as a market, yeah, it's huge, but it also influences other, like, European right. okay, countries, right? Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're really looking at, it's like, you're you're stabbing it in the heart there. And, right. and okay. you know, there's going to be ripple effects if the appeal doesn't go through for Apple. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, mean, I don't. I'm not a legal guy. You're more in that end of things. But that's that's my perspective. Stuff. That's yeah. And I stay away from it because a lot of it is like he said, she said. Oh, I'm I'm I invented that. Right. Oh, I got the paper to show I did. Oh, well, uh, mine is a little bit different. Uh, it's well, just yeah. Nutty. Just who has the original patent? That is. Yeah. If I were the judge, and I know nothing really about Nikola this, Tesla. <laughs> right. Guaranteed. Exactly. I, well, <laughs> well, that that's just how it would go. I mean, you're really the rightful owner of the idea, and then you would yeah. win, right? The right. Mm-hmm. kind of the end. But when you have a device that has millions of ideas in it, right? Then it becomes a really tough situation. I again, I'm not interested or into patent legalities and things, but it's, I can see that it could be very, very tough. Right. On one hand, it kind of looks a bit nitpicky. On the other hand, it kind of looks like, well, just because you're a big company, you can't just take take my ideas. Sure. See, right. I, I so. think Qualcomm is just trying to get a handle on some market share. Qualcomm has other contracts. Well, sure they do. Those contracts will continue yeah. during the litigation. But, mm-hmm. but why? Like, I feel like if they're going to be known as that that company that goes out there and kind of legally tries to beat people up people are going to eventually say i don't want to deal with you except when you are also a company that is innovative and has the product that the industry is begging for right because we don't know if they're actually trying to beat beat them up or whether or not they're just trying to stand their ground and not be bulldozed sure right because it could be that 
But if I was a company that manufactures a particular component of a particular device, and and so use this Apple contract to build up my company, and now my company's established, now, okay, you know what? We're not going to take anything from you. We've got all these other contracts we're working on. And there are some exciting things coming down the wire. And we know that Apple, their entire release mentality is, let's hold back the features. Right. Let's cut off the features that we can have so that then we can push for the next generation. That's right. So that the next generation can come out and you have to buy that because that has that feature that we could have done three years ago. But we refused. True. So there's that aspect of it as well. Windows 10 Home Edition will finally let you turn off automatic updates. Since the initial release of Windows 10 back in 2015, users have continued to ask Windows or Microsoft to give them control over when and if they should install the latest Windows updates. Trying to avoid the disastrous Android-like fragmentation issues, Microsoft pushes monthly security and feature updates to every machine running Windows 10. But they have more than often resulted in compatibility issues and other minor bugs and problems, if not major issues. While the reasoning behind aggressively pushing updates might be legit, it isn't a user-friendly system when the consumer is scared of the latest updates breaking their machines. Windows 10 Pro users have are already have controls to pause Windows updates, but the settings have remained different for Windows 10 Home users up until now. The upcoming Windows 10 April 2019 update is slated to finally bring this control to Windows 10 home users. Currently being tested by Windows insiders, the next version of Windows, codenamed 19H1, shows this change in its Windows update settings. When paused, Windows 10 won't install any new updates for seven days. You can then either resume the updates when you are ready to install the update, or Windows will resume installing them itself once the seven-day period expires. If everything goes as planned, this setting should arrive to all Windows 10 home users when the next update arrives in April. While seven days might not sound like enough time to some Windows 10 users, the fact is Microsoft wants to keep as many Windows 10 machines on the latest version as possible. That said, it would be nice if Microsoft would trust its users to have their own reasons for delaying or deferring certain updates, specifically since the company has quite a history of delivering broken updates. And that's been growing, too. I, I had it happen last night. Mm-hmm. I was uploading. I upload yes. a lot of video. And I was uploading um, a show um, that has to be online. It's supposed to be online this morning. So I uploaded on Tuesday nights, and, and it uploads overnight. Well, I got up and mm-hmm. saw my laptop, and Windows had rebooted during the upload. It got to 98% and was cut off because no. Windows had rebooted it. So... I was just like, oh, I wish I could just turn off these updates. And so, yeah, seven days sucks. Yes. Really? Like, just let me decide when I want to run my updates. I love that I can do sudo apt get update. Right. Enter when I want to do it uh, on Linux. That's on Windows, just though, not how Windows rolls. Like, that's no. just not it. I mean, uh, they, they have now given you a seven-day grace period, and for them, that's generous. So to be fair, <laughs> that seven-day grace period would have helped me had I thought last night. Right. And if my laptop happened to have that feature, oh, well, I'm about to upload a video. I will 
pause updates for seven days. Right. right. It's, but I have to still remember to do that. Right. Otherwise, it resets itself after seven days and it keeps doing it and rebooting whenever it feels like it's it. It's spectacularly bad for a company that when I shut down my computers at work and I see that my only option is update and shut down, mm-hmm. it gives me anxiety. Mm. That's a bad. Is it going to turn on the next day? Right. So I shut down the computers today. Yeah. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to go in hoping everything fires up. Now, many times it does and sometimes it doesn't. Right. So it's a gamble. Yeah. And it's scary. So if I could pause that and then know, okay, well, what if I make it so that it just updates at the end of my week, right? That way I at least have Mm -hmm. the whole weekend if something... Plan for it. Right? Yeah. Instead of just these random, this is when we're doing it, Mm -hmm. updates. Yeah. See, for me, the Windows 10 updates suck because I have an older version of Photoshop on my computer. Mm. Um, I think it's like... Six or seven years old. Like I haven't upgraded because okay. I just I don't have the I don't do it. You don't want to pay for their cloud service. Well, yeah, I don't want to put out any pay more a subscription money. fee. But something has transpired over the years where now when Windows doesn't update, it wipes out my key. No, so it's legit oh. software, but it wipes out the key. But the problem is you can't activate it. Their activation server is gone. Right. And so now in order to get it to work, I literally, every time Windows doesn't update, have to uninstall and reinstall Photoshop. Oh my goodness. Drives me nuts. Hmm. I... So I, I, I hate that Windows goes, we're going to make this happen. And seven days, quite frankly, that's just a slap in the face. That's... That's not. But it would have helped. It would have helped me last night. Right. It's better than nothing. That like seven days would give me time to get to the end of the work week. Yeah, it'll get you to your weekend, guaranteed. So presumably, you know, hopefully, you don't have anything going on that weekend. I was in the middle of running financial numbers and stuff last night, Mm -hmm. doing a bunch of accounting uh, for a company I'm with, and. I didn't notice the alert for the update. I'm in the middle of logging some stuff, it goes through the update. I was like, no! I know, it's so annoying. Painful. It's super painful. sad. I know. Yeah. I, it's not fun at all. Post your comments below about Windows 10 updates, your experiences. <laughs> give us a thumbs up for liking this video. Don't give us a thumbs down for hating Microsoft updates. Okay? <laughs> That's right. It wasn't us. Who likes Microsoft updates? I. Bill. Only the one. Yeah. I'm talking about Bill Gates. We know. Not. Not (laughs) Bill Marshall. Right. I promise you, you, Bill Marshall despises Windows updates. Right. Bill Marshall's all over the world going, what? (laughs) No, we got one in the chat right now who's going, oh, yes, yes, not for them. AI could reduce the tech in your smartphone. The Snapdragon 855 and XCX chips that Qualcomm announced at its Snapdragon Summit last month include big leaps in virtually every significant benchmark, such as CPU and GPU performance. The demonstrations made some of the strongest cases to date about how AI-based computations can enhance the smartphone experience beyond the photo enhancement that has been the one of the leading manifestations to date. It begins 
begins with the most primal use for your smartphone, making voice calls. By using AI to identify the voice of the speaker, a phone would be able to virtually eliminate any background noise from a call, be it some reserved office chatter or loud city street noise. This capability extended far beyond that of even today's best noise cancelling technology and into the realm of noise elimination. Another demonstration showed the ability to improve the focus and blur of a photo that had already been taken or to change it after the fact. A third showed the ability to change the hair color on the fly of a woman swaying against a colorful background in a 60 FPS video or to replace that background on the fly in a way that would typically require a skilled video editor using sophisticated software. But what may be even more impressive than how effective these techniques are is how efficient they are with when it comes to hardware. Today's noise cancelling techniques, for example, use multiple microphones in order to capture and muffle distractions such as jet engine noises that has seeped into the cabin. In contrast, the AI-driven noise reduction demonstrated by Qualcomm needed only one microphone. Similarly, while the kind of, of depth sensing that enables tasks such as background blurring typically uses multiple cameras, the demonstration that Qualcomm gave used just one. Google, of course, is already creating some of these effects with the Pixel 3's sole rear camera. Apple is as well on the iPhone XR, although they claim the two-camera approach on its iPhone XS phones produces better results. All these applications highlight the ability of AI to recognize and isolate different kinds of media objects and then act on them to improve an experience. While the photo and video capabilities are far more visually compelling, the conversation noise elimination rep represents the kind of utility that stands to dramatically improve smartphone usage scenarios for a broad base of users in tra and a transformative way. Of course, taking best advantage of them will only be possible with the latest premium smartphone chips, which will easily counteract the cost savings resulting by reducing the components. It's interesting that that would come up because we're talking about, well, does it Qualcomm have other right. irons in the fire, right? Yes. Uh, oh, surely. Yeah. AI phones. This is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's going to be maybe pricey because it's amazing. But. <laughs> but AI oh. is so revolutionary when it comes to the capability of, um, of computing information. Right. Like right. we think of AI as like our Amazon Echo and whatever device and maybe like robots and things like but AI as a technology is so fast. Oh right. yeah. It's so right. fast. Right. That noise elimination for voice phone mm -hmm. calls, that to me would change so much. Built into your phone. Built into my phone. No other need for Bluetooth headphones that make you look like a crazy person. Right. Or, I, you know, whatever things that you're Don't you're need using. help to look like a crazy person. You know, um, but it helps when you're walking around the grocery so, store saying, do we need bacon? Do we so, need bacon? I don't know. Do we need bacon? I, of course we need bacon. I call my mom every Wednesday. Now, I called her on my way into work today. I was talking to her while I was driving um, through my Bluetooth. And then I get... I was going to get out of the, the car with yep. my phone and walk into work while mm -hmm. talking to her. It was windy out. So I said to her, Mom, uh, okay. I need to get off the phone because you're going to hate the sound of the wind blowing mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the microphone. Yep. With the AI, I'm assuming it would just eliminate that blowing noise sound. Potentially. I would say. Yeah. My mom would be happy. All this <laughs> screaming in the background. See, as I, 
Yeah. <laughs> I do conference calls for work regularly. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing more annoying than somebody being in a car running between meetings who's joining for this call, but they forget to mute their phone. Right. And so then all you hear in the background is... (laughs) Exactly. Because they're driving on the highway. And it's like, could you mute your phones, please? Could you mute your phones, please? And they think they're muted. Mm -hmm. And they can't stop now to mute their phone because they're driving. That's right. So if this eliminates those kind of things, I'm all for it. Exactly. I just don't want to have to pay crazy amounts of money for it because I'm not rich. Would that just change? Like, we have our mute buttons, right? Uh So if we had that sort of AI, right, it would just automatically... I think it's more akin to... Have you ever been in a busy restaurant and there's lots and lots of noise mm-hmm. and you're sitting across from your husband and somehow, by some miracle of nature, you're able to hear every word that he speaks? Right. And in, in your perception, you don't even hear all the other stuff that's going on around you. You're just... <laughs> so AI takes kind of what is naturally available to us and turns it into a technological item that can now say, okay, I'm Sasha's phone. Right. I know Sasha's voice. And so I'm going to hone in on that and I'm just going to defocus everything else. And Sasha's voice is all I'm going to hear. Right. Right. And somehow the AI is able to take that as a technology and put that into our telephones. I'm okay with that. I think that's I'm pretty thinking, neat. I'm suddenly going, ooh, hearing aids. Like how oh, cool sure. would it be for an AI-powered hearing aid that very quickly learns who is it that you're having the conversation with and wipes out every other sound except for Boom. that person. Yeah. Boom. Automatically that hones in on the frequencies. <laughs> hones in on the frequencies, Jeff. There's unlimited yeah. capabilities here. And so when, when people, and sometimes I give you a hard time about conspiracy theories um, surrounding AI and surrounding the cloud sure. and stuff. But I'm the fact guy. is, but the technology is driving in that direction where it is amazing the things we'll be able Absolutely. to do. Yes. What if a hearing aid could hear your voice and say, okay, that's in a frequency that Robbie has trouble hearing, so let's adjust it so that Robbie can hear it perfectly. And and let's also blank out all the noise in the restaurant. So now I'm able to hear you absolutely perfectly thanks to AI. Well, Mm -hmm. that little chip in my ear doesn't have an AI built into it. It needs to be able to connect to my phone through Bluetooth, and my phone connects out to the internet through the cloud and utilizes an amazing multi-billion dollar computer network in order to do all that processing. So am I going to be afraid of that connectivity or am I going to... You're going to embrace it because it's going to enhance that. your life in so many ways. Yeah, I have that's no, my perspective. Yeah, so I when I give no you a hard time, with, no, but that's my perspective. My issue when it comes to things like that is it always comes down to security and marketability. Mm-hmm. I don't want my need for some sort of amended access to be a marketed thing, I would rather just say, hey, we got this service for you because we're a nice company. Yes, you bought it, you paid into it. We don't want to use it for data purposes. That would make me a happy camper. And if that kind of stuff was more secure, I would have no issue with it. I love technology and the way it's going. And this is really cool. This this like drives me. Let's watch for it. Let's see what happens next. Yeah. 
A hidden world in the NES Legend of Zelda was just uncovered 30 years later. One of the more remarkable things about the original Nintendo is that many of the console's more popular games, from Super Mario Bros. 3 to Tecmo Bowl, are still playable and thoroughly enjoyable in 2019. Sure, the 8-bit graphics can't hold a candle to what you'll find on the more modern-day consoles, but the wild success of Nintendo, Nintendo saw with the NES Classic underscores just how much fun many of these older games are. Of course, if we're talking about some of the greatest NES games of all time, there's no denying that The Legend of Zelda needs to be part of the discussion. The original Legend of Zelda, which was released all the way back in 1986, was such an iconic hit that it would go on to spawn, well, more than a dozen offshoots across a number of different consoles. Now, seeing as how the original Zelda game is more than 30 years old at this point, you'd be forgiven for thinking that every single part of the game had already been discovered and conquered. Alas, you'd be mistaken. In something of a fascinating story, a developer recently managed to access the game's Minus World, essentially another part of the game where developers could try out different gameplay dynamics. Naturally, develops, developers implemented code to prevent players from accessing the game's Minus World, but a YouTuber with the handle Skellix managed to figure out a way around it. The gameplay on Zelda's Minus World is a bit buggy, though still playable, which shouldn't come as much of a surprise given that it wasn't intended to be playable in the first place. That notwithstanding, the video Skellix posted should be quite entertaining for fans of the original classic. You can watch the video at cat5.tv slash Zelda. That is so cool. Ah. Just mind-bending. Yeah. I love retro gaming and to find so out that there's something new. I, I love it. Like, I'm a huge Zelda fan. Always have, I mean, There you go. I, so go figure it out. My ring is like Zelda Look logos. Look at that. Like, wow. Huh. It's etched with Zelda's uh, triangle. Yeah. Triangular thing. Very cool. So, like, I'm a huge Zelda fan, so this is like. <gasps> cool. Give Fancy, it a go. Like, Get yourself egg. an Odroid Go. Yeah. Put Legend of Zelda NES Classic but would it on it. Beyond those. Yeah. Like, is yeah. It, is it, yeah. It's a, They're so ROMs. Right, but is it a true port over? Which you or? legitimately <laughs> own. I know. I do. But is it a port over so that it's every component mm -hmm. of it? Or, yeah, okay. Yeah, ROM oh. is a copy of yeah. the. Of the you the, too the can play in the minus world. My son, speaking, just quickly thinking of retro gaming because this reminded me. My son, who is eight years old, said to me he came down after a late night session on the Odroid Go, which had Nintendo Entertainment System on it, and he said, "I can't decide, Daddy." I'm like, "What is it, son?" He says, "Whether Paperboy is better on the Sega Genesis or the NES." <laughs> and it's 2019, and I have never been so proud. Oh, see that's And he decided the Paperboy is better on the NES. He said I agree. It, it's better on the NES. I agree, 100%. We have a handheld Sega Genesis, which you reviewed on Try yes. It, Buy It, and so we have an Odroid Go for NES Classic games. Right. So he plays both of them, and he has both of those versions of the game. So, so cool. How cool is that? I love this. All right, I've got to take a quick look. I, sorry, I thought it was you. Uh, at the cryptocurrency market at this point, as of 1800 hours Eastern Time on Wednesday, January 9th, 2019, according to CoinGecko, things are kind of on the gain. Uh, we're up $123.18 US on Bitcoin, bringing us to $3,978.24 per coin. Litecoin is also up to $38.82 a coin, gaining $6.06. .06. 
Ethereum is the only one that we're monitoring that's actually lost a little bit. It's down to 148.94 US. Monero is up to 52. Um, Stellite, looking at the small guys, is uh, up a little bit, 2.78 ten thousandths of a cent. And Turtle Coin is sitting at 1.4 ten thousandths of a cent. Remember, the cryptocurrency market never closes and is always volatile. So keep that in mind if you decide to trade. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. Thanks, everybody, for being here with us again this week. Looking forward to seeing you next week when we actually fire up the cameras that we were looking at tonight. We're going to hook those up and see how they operate. You don't want to miss that. That's happening on episode number 591. So we'll see you then. Take care. Bye. Bye.